Hello and welcome to another End User Talk podcast. I'm your hostess, Jamila, your lady in tech. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be a part of the End User Talk podcast. How are you, by the way? I am doing well. It's a pleasure to be on. Please introduce yourself. All right. (laughs) Well, I'm Khan, or as people know me on the uh, interwebs, Young Khan. I'm a full-time graphic designer, illustrator, motion graphics artist. I wear a lot of different hats. (laughs) do a lot of different work. I'm kind of just a uh, can-you-do-it fill-in-the-blank guy, and uh, I usually say yes. (laughs) Can you do it? Yes, I can. If not, I will learn. Have you always taking on this many uh, different types of creative roles? Um, not cr- No, not really at all. I haven't really done anything creative before this. I took like a, a decade off from like doing any kind of illustrations, drawings, anything. So can I jump back in it and people ask me, can you? And I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. Why not? I can do that. <laughs> and eventually you, get, you do it so much, you get better at it. Understood. Practice makes perfect. Are you self-taught or do you have like formal school training or a little bit of both? I attend at Kansas State University for graphic design for one semester and subsequently flunked out about two decades ago. <laughs> so um, that was the extent of my formal training. It did not get very far. Um, everything I learned in the past three years has been primarily through Twitch and YouTube, Google Forms. That's, that's pretty much it. Are you self-taught artist or is this something that came about with your interest in be in the graphic design and or illustrations? I learned a lot just by mimicry. So I usually just try to like, I take apart what I see and try to put it back together visually. So I guess it's kind of self-taught. The same way you learn how to, I guess, when you take a desk out of the box, you don't look at the instructions. You kind of just look at the picture on the front of the box and hopefully at the end, it looks like that thing. That's how I approach most of my illustrations <laughs> in the beginning. That's how, that's how I learned. What is your creative style, your inspirations and or influences? And are you a niche artist? Niche? No, I don't think so. I think it's the only niche that I have is, will I be able to get paid at the end? So I don't really turn down any work. When people say, can you do this? And with if it's within my skill set, I say yes. I'm not trying to paint a Rembrandt masterpiece, which I cannot do. But when I can, I can say yes to that as well. So I don't really have a, a style or things I gravitate towards. It's more or less people coming in with a, a specific kind of problem. And if I can fulfill it, I will find a way to. So it sounds like you just kind of take on a challenge. You, If someone presents something to you, you just kind of go with a whim and there isn't a real plan per se. Is that what I'm hearing from you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, not really a plan per se. Yeah. No, just kind of just... Mm-hmm. You just go with it. Yeah. Things always turn out interesting that way. You can get really good at it and you become really specialized in it. And what they say is, you know, specialization, you know, pays off the most. Growing up doing construction work and odd jobs, you know, there wasn't like a job you would turn down. Like somebody asked, if you're a roofer, do you clean gutters? Yeah. Yeah, we clean gutters. <laughs> uh, do you do this? Yes. Yes, we do. It's kind of like, well, do you do you also do this? No, but I can learn how. So yes, yes, I do do that. As an artist, have you ever found yourself in a block from creating? Some people put art on a higher platform or tier like it's like there's a muse involved there's no really it's I look at my art like I'm like I would any kind of job I don't get you know plumbers don't get plumbers block roofers don't get roofers block it's a job that you you have a certain task in front of you and you you break it down into parts and pieces if I have artist block or art block I can't pay the mortgage so art block is not a uh, it's not a it's not on the table it's not to be discussed (laughs) it's there's a task before you we've got to accomplish that goal and it's just time to execute if we were to go into your studio 
what type of equipment will we find you working with? Well, I work with uh, two IMAX, uh, 2019 and 2016, because I am not into PC building and I don't know. I'm not into like specializing parts and pieces and putting together. I like things to come out of the box and work immediately. <laughs> so I'm not into building things. So I got two IMAX. I have my Cintiq, uh, Wacom Cintiq drawing tablet that my buddy had two of and uh, he sold it me at a discount because it's a very expensive tablet. And outside of that, I have my recording equipment. Got a Sony A6000 camera and a Blue Yeti microphone. What type of software do you preferably use? Depending on the job I'm working on, um, if it's just illustration, I use uh, Clip Studio Paint primarily. It's a one-time fee. It's super user-friendly. And after using Adobe products since 99, 98, 99, it's one of the more like comfortable pieces of like software you could use just uh, out of the box open the program and start drawing and it's super like putting you know pencil to paper outside of that I've used Adobe products for everything else design wise for graphic design logo design I use Illustrator and I use I make uh, motion graphics in After Effects and a little bit Cinema 4D so like stuff you see bumpers for YouTube videos short commercials stuff like that I make in there okay when a client comes to you and they propose a uh, concept for you is there a different way that you prepare for each type of request? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, emotes are only have, you know, they have one in use and that's to be used in, you know, Twitch chats or Mixer or Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. For logo design is a, a bit more challenging depending on the client and the in use of the uh, logo. If I am working with a client who, a heating and cooling company, they're going to use that logo inside bands, um, their shirts, you know, their business cards, et cetera. So it'll have many in uses. So it has to fit all those in uses and the color scheme has to be, you know, acceptable to use on white and black backgrounds. There are a dozen more applications that has to be prepared for. So I have to know all that stuff beforehand um, before somebody says, oh, you make me a logo? I'm like, well, yeah, what are you going to use it for? I tell them the price between just making one for a company and one you would use just, you know, digitally in a very small space. It's going to have one end use and no end use outside of that. Depending on those factors, I, it changes drastically, much, much, much drastically. Now, as far as you deciding to display your talents through a live stream, Oh, um, I was actually doing a podcast with a uh, buddy. And I was already doing the work already. I was already just making emotes for you know streamers. And we were on a Destiny the Video Game podcast. And he was like, you should really put this on Twitch. I'm like, nobody wants to see me do this. He pestered me for a couple months. And he was right. I was wrong. You know, I definitely owe him a beverage of some sort. He just uh, kept goading me because I had the equipment for the podcast to record with. So I got a little cheap, you know, mini camera for Logitech for like 30 bucks and hooked it up. And it'll be three years in August. The channel's grown exponentially. I met a lot of new friends, a lot, new, a lot more clients. It's nice to just work and have people there to talk to at the same time because um, graphic design art can be a very isolating experience, even in these uh, times of isolation. You look very comfortable when you're working. The camera quality, I have to say, is amazing. It's a very welcoming experience. You learn a lot. And I've noticed within your interaction with the chat, if someone has a question, you actually take the time out to um, respond to that individual's question. Do you offer any type of courses or tutorials on anything that you do? I did release my first course. It was an emo design course because I felt qualified to teach it after making a few thousand emotes. I was like, I should just write the course. And I took a weekend out and recorded the course. Then I re-recorded the course and released it in late January. We have over a hundred students now. So it's like been three, three, four months since it's been out roughly. And tutorial wise, I do tutorials every month on my Patreon. Just things that come to mind or questions that are asked or questions I get asked a lot, repeat questions. I try to like put together um, a 30 minute or hour and a half long video to answer those. So with your course, is this a pre-recorded course that someone can download and it's self-paced 
or is this course where you're actually live instructing? It's a pre-recorded course with exercises, but um, just like you say, people come to chat and ask questions all the time. It's like anybody has a question during the course, you know, shoot me a DM, shoot me a Discord message. I'm more than happy to clarify anything. I guess I taught the course too well because I'm, I'm always looking for feedback to, you know, refine the course <laughs> to make changes or, you know, update it. And I'm just a hundred students in. I'm just like, I think the one thing I got her feedback on was like, was your dog barking in the background? I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. They got into a little tussle in the hallway. That was the most feedback I've gotten so far. So I did take my time and I come from uh, had a, a short stint in education for a couple of years. So I'm, I'm really big into educating. So I guess uh, I did an okay job for a few days work, <laughs> a few days of recording. Well, definitely the feedback doesn't seem to have anything to do with the content itself. Um, Do you miss teaching? Oh, I miss it a lot. I miss it a whole lot. There's nothing like, I miss all my kids mainly, you know, seeing them like come in at, at ninth grade and growing facial hair by 11th grade. And <laughs> it was a great time. I was part of a really big layoff here in the Cleveland area around, uh, I think 2010, 12, somewhere around there. But the unfortunate part was that I left that job and started uh, working at a restaurant and I worked half the hours and made, you know, 30% more money than I did as an educator. So that was the, that's probably the saddest realization after I got out of the field. I agree. Teachers, they really don't make enough money for the things that they do. So hopefully as time goes by, people will see the impact that teachers make in our children's lives and they'll reconsider boosting the income for teachers. It's a labor of love and it's definitely a challenge. It's very, it was very rewarding. I actually saw all of my students uh, very recently out and about and uh, actually I saw a couple of them recently out and about. So it's good to see them right before the virus hit. How has the quarantine affected your work? How has this experience been for you? Oh, it, uh, it almost doubled my work queue two weeks into the quarantine. So Now, since you're a jack of all trades, is there one of your roles more enjoyable than the other? Probably the thing I haven't learned to do yet. Um, whenever I get to, you know, learn something new, it's always that thing. Because <laughs> once I can do something well, it becomes too comfortable and I'm a person of discomfort. I like to get uncomfortable when I'm doing things because the more uncomfortable I am, the more I can grow. A month, it might be, you know, faces. What, next week, it might be, you know, drawing tiger mascot designs the next week after that. It could be animating, you know, a face, you know, swallowing a, a word or something like that. And it, it goes on and on and on. So when someone attends your stream, do you have a plan? Every day is uh, pretty well structured out. At the beginning, I do something for called a warm up. So I spend 20 minutes to an hour just drawing something random. I, sometimes I finish it. Sometimes it doesn't get finished. But I'm usually right now I'm practicing how to, how to do manga and anime styles. So that's been what I've been doing for the past four or five months. And then after that, I get into my workflow, whatever I scheduled for the day. And that's all written down in my handy dandy notebook, which is falling apart because it's three years old. Once I get all the work that's been scheduled for the day, if I can, I do like a little quick wrap up sketch, depending on what day it is. Fridays, I kind of just veg out and I give away free stuff and uh, we just make fun sketches. And Sundays and Mondays are usually reserved for rush orders, but I, I work seven days a week pretty much for I don't know how many weeks now. <laughs> that's great. Now, I've noticed you have a catchy little phrase. Do you mind sharing that phrase right now? Yeah. Well, somebody follows on Twitch. I say, welcome to the horde where the coffee is hot. The beard is epic. Uh, sketchy, sketchy. Now, what does that break down to? It began as a joke the first couple weeks I started streaming. So I called my followers the horde because I got the nickname Khan from competing in Mongolian wrestling. So I've been competing in training martial 
large for over 25 years. Got the nickname Khan because I was really strong and I slammed a lot of people. So that's my nickname. And, uh, you know, Khans have hordes because they're, they're roaming across the country, pillaging. And the coffee's hot because I drink coffee. I've been drinking coffee since I was eight years old. <laughs> Basically, since I was eight years old, working with my dad doing construction work. So I drink a lot of coffee. That's why I only have one sponsor on my stream and it's a coffee sponsor because uh, I'm really into coffee. Beard's epic. People have been talking about my beard since I've been streaming. So it became a staple of the stream and my face for that matter. And Sketchy Sketchy was actually a much longer saying that people told me to stop saying because they were getting upset. <laughs> It used to. It used to be. Welcome to the horde where the coffee's hot, the beard is epic, the sketches are, and the art is mediocre. And they're like, this art is a mediocre. And they're like, all right, coffee hot, beard epic, uh, sketch sketchy. And it, it became that once I, somebody hosted me for like seven hundred viewers or something like that, and I couldn't say whether well, these art is mediocre. So I was like, ah, sketch sketchy. And I just started just it got shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. So now it's just sketchy sketchy. I love it. That's so creative. Is there a particular type of coffee that you like? Well, I'm sponsored by. Uh, King's Coast. It is was started by uh, actual <laughs> started by Twitch streamers from the Rare Drop organization. Who I do a little graphic design work on the side, and I tried the coffee out. I'm like, oh, this coffee should be okay, and it is literally some of the best coffee I've ever had. Like, I don't promote things on stream. I don't promote products unless I really believe in them. So that's why I only have one sponsor. I've been approached by probably a dozen, you know, companies for sponsorships. I'm like, yeah, but I don't use that stuff, and I probably never will, and I won't lie to people about it. <laughs> that is the same reason my the chair I sit in is still covered up and you can't see the, the company name on it because I don't know if it's going to break down in six months. I haven't had it long enough. So I, I take my endorsements and my words very seriously. And uh, the coffee I drink, usually I just try out varieties of like there are different blends every month. So I usually go for the dark roast. I'm a sucker for dark roast. And your beard, like you said, that is a staple. How do you care for that? I kind of just you know, brush it once a day and I use like a, uh, and by once a day, I mean like for like literally a minute, I just kind of comb out the dog hair and crumbs from the night before and you no know, brush that out of my face. Uh, actually, something my, my girlfriend has that she called uh, Carol's Daughter's Pomade. Kind of just comb that into my beard and like once a week, twice a week, something like that. Do you have an opinion or do you think that there is a lack of black presence or uh, representation in your field of content? Um, I don't. It's kind of hard for me to say because it, uh, it's hard for me to say definitively anyway. I'm not sure about fate. Well, actually, no, I know a lot of Twitch ambassadors that are black so um, that are actually work for Twitch. So it's kind of, it, from, my, from where I stand at, not really and a lot of the artists I host late at night happen to all just by happenstance they're just amazing artists but they're all you know I probably say 60 to 70 percent are all black like I didn't pick them because they were black I just picked them because they're awesome they do amazing work and they're all when I'm off um, doing art so I can't say that there is from you know just from my standpoint I may look at my following list and say you know I'm following a hundred people and maybe you know 12 of them are African-American or black. So maybe statistics of the country as well, too. So it might be, you know, we're like 20, what, 15, 20 percent of the country at best. Right. Now, you mentioned anime and manga. Are you working on this particular art style because you're going to do any type of comic artistry and or illustration? Or is this just you taking on a new concept of different art style? Just taking on a new concept of art style. I just always see things that I want to do. So I just do them <laughs> whenever I, I don't wish for things. I just work for them. So I always see people making things like, it looks amazing. I want to learn how to do that. Like, well, I should probably start doing it today. <laughs> All right. You live in the now. We're going to do this now. No need to wait. I learned that a few years ago. Not that they can change and everything can go completely upside down. The fact that we are all experiencing this COVID-19 coronavirus dilemma, if you will, it's definitely one of those things that no one planned for. It was There was no expectation or how to prepare for something like this. So a lot of us are having to kind of reinvent ourselves and a lot of people 
people have found themselves unemployed and trying to find a new way. You never know what each day is going to bring us. So being fearful and not challenging yourself is really not the way to be. And if that's who you have been, you definitely want to try to change that. So I commend you for taking on things and not considering them something that you can't do. You never want to limit yourself and tell you what you can't do. I don't know if your parents ever told you this or if you ever remember hearing this as a child. Don't knock it till you try it. Because you truly can't have an opinion about something if you've never attempted. Your goal doesn't have to be to be great at it. So many of us don't have that type of drive or confidence within ourselves. Yeah, something I tell people all the time. That's actually one of my phrases that I throw around very often off stream and on stream is for my name is Con, you get conquer. You can't conquer sitting on your hands. You can't accomplish by wishing and waiting. If I've learned anything and I got into doing art and graphic design and working on Twitch, you know, in my mid thirties. So I literally left two professions and got into something that was, you know, kind of a gamble and it paid off because I was diligent and you become pliable and flexible. If you're rigid, you know, life will leave you behind. <laughs> life will leave you behind because you can't adapt to changes. You know, people are so afraid to fail. Failure does not feel good. It's not something that anyone wants to have to experience. Is this a mindset that you've always had or is this something you've grown into? I've had the mindset for a while, but it was kind of like maybe it was at 50%. And then I uh, I was struck with a, uh, a neuromuscular autoimmune disease that you know took one of my eyes and I couldn't talk or swallow food or water. And I couldn't walk and use my hands for a few months. And uh, then it got cranked up to 100%. <laughs> Usually you kind of just like wither away, but I kind of bounced back after that end that mentality of overcoming, you know, was maybe at 50 and then it got cranked up to like two times that over the course of the next you know, year or two. And adversity that you experienced, you did not allow that to take control of you. You regained control of your mental and physical capacities. And well, that's mm-hmm. definitely a testament. If you let something knock you down and you just let it keep you on the ground and you don't get back up, yeah. you're crippling the great person that you can be. You don't ever want to be so scarred by something. Something that it keeps you from growing and developing. I guess the alternative would have been to become, you know, kind of hypocritical after telling my students, oh, no, this can't stop you. That can't stop you. This can't stop you. I mean, if I would let this thing stop me, well, I guess everything I was saying was, you know, just complete BS. And I don't know why I said it. I was just saying it to riff. And I don't like being hypocritical. I try to do my best to make my words very, very clear to what I tell people. I don't have anything else but my words. I, I mean, <laughs> once your word goes bad, you know, why would anybody talk to your trust you anymore. It's about leading by example. Hmm, yeah, because, uh, you know, everybody can, you know, riff a good game. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this, I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna do this. You know, when 2020 comes around, I'm going to do this. And when New Year's happens, I'm going to do this. I'm like, why don't you just do it now? Well, no, I, I got to do it. You know, it's going to be, you know, this thing is happening tomorrow. I'm like, what about today? You doing today? Oh, I'm, I, 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 I Exactly. <laughs> Excuses. Excuses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing's keeping you from being great or experiencing something new. You're your only obstacle yeah. and you have to get out of your own way. That's the, that is the long and the short of it. Other than your artistry, you do a lot. How did you get into bodybuilding? I was actually, well, I was competing in like full contact fighting and wrestling and martial arts for a long time. And then right around my late 20s, 
things. I got into like more fitness stuff, bodybuilding stuff. And right around then, I was probably like four or 5% like body fat, you know, six pack, like veins everywhere. That's when the disease hit me. <laughs> That's right when the disease struck. And then, you know, I came out of it and I, I was around 200 pounds, 200, 210 pounds. And I shrunk down to like 150 pounds, 160 pounds. So I lost like 40, 50 pounds over the course of months just from atrophy. And I got back into doing, I couldn't do bodybuilding anymore because the disease literally is you, if you use your muscles too often, which is what bodybuilding is, you just tear the muscle over and over again to make it bigger, bigger and bigger and bigger. The disease actually was one of the side effects was repetitive movements make your muscles weaker. So I got into doing powerlifting, which is where you lift for like 20 seconds and then you put it down and you wait like five minutes and then you lift for like 20 seconds and then you put the weight down for like three or four minutes. So it was much more suited to that. But coming back, I couldn't even do, I was doing pushups on my knees and I can only do like two or three when I first got back to the gym, like months and months after the surgery. I had a surgery too, to help combat the disease. They do something called a thymectomy where they make six cuts from along your rib cage up to your, your shoulder to your armpit and they fish out your thymus gland. They take it out. When I got back, I literally couldn't even like, when I had to get out of bed, I couldn't use my arms to push myself out of bed and like roll over my side to sit up with my abdominal muscles, then kind of lean onto my arm to pick myself up. But from there, I got into powerlifting because the massive wait time between like each lift. So there's a way, there was a way to work out. I just couldn't like, I can't run like five miles. My body, my muscles couldn't take it. Powerlifting is much more um, accommodated or suited for my uh, my medical situation. And I've taken, I pushed that, you know, even into my late thirties, I think three weeks ago, I'm probably deadlifting 475 for five, six reps, bench pressing 225 again, a little bit over my body weight. You have overcome a lot of just physical challenges. If you are not mentally strong, that would defeat most people. Hmm. What kept you going? Probably, well, I had a little bit of a rough childhood. I didn't grow up in the, you know, the nicest neighborhoods. <laughs> um, originally from Detroit, the ongoing lore of my childhood for my family is before I even turned one years old, I caught a stray bullet into my thigh through a car door, through a car seat into one of my legs that slowed down so much. So it didn't like fracture any like any bones or anything. So like, oh, if I survive that, I can, you know, pretty much do anything. And I moved from there into East Cleveland, which is uh, it's a step below Cleveland <laughs> in, in terms of how nice it is. And, uh, you know, I survived that and, you know, I climbed out of that and went on to work two, two shifts of jobs for a number of years. So I worked second shift and third shift as a baker to get an apartment, to get out of the city, uh, out of East Cleveland and move closer to the water. And I did that for a couple of years. And eventually I, I just kept working and working and working. Well, the house I live in now, my first house at the age of 25. So I just kind of, I don't like to be held back and say, well, you can't do this and you can't do that because you're from here. You know, you're not meant to do this. You're a statistic. I don't like statistics. I don't like being told where, what my ceiling is in life. And uh, no one should accept anything that's they're being told like that. Even if all, if when it's all said and done, you do not escape those areas. You shouldn't stop thriving to stop because eventually you're going to build the willpower. Even in a prison of surroundings, mentally you're free. The mind's first, the will's first. And uh, martial arts help with that. Martial arts help develop that willpower. <laughs> it helped develop that willpower just through thousands of hours of repetition because when you do something so many times, you can pretty much do anything for a short time until it becomes, you know, a habit. And then by that time, you don't complain about it anymore because it's a habit. <laughs> right. Well, I do appreciate you for sharing your personal accomplishments, the obstacles that you've had to overcome at a very young age and up until this point, not giving up and continuing to be hit. And like I said, most people would stumble and fall or they'd give up. When people say the mind is a powerful thing, it is. Your mind can either make or break you or your mind can keep you stagnant, keep you from growing. And you have proven that even through the most adverse, challenging, most undesirable background or even experiences that you can 
overcome. Khan, I thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for being so transparent and sharing. Those are painful stories. Sometimes they're hard to express and talk about. But thank you for sharing that because somebody out there needs to hear that. And someone out there is struggling. My pleasure. And this is what my podcast is intended to do, to encourage, to empower. And people Mm. like yourself, you have a story. You have a journey that is very impactful through your art. You're humble. Thank you for sharing your abilities, your talent, your strengths with people through your stream. And today on this podcast, where can they find you if they wanted to experience Khan? Oh, you can find me <clears throat> seven nights a week, pretty much until I uh, I dig myself out of this commission hole. <laughs> you can find me on twitch.tv slash Y-U-N-G-K-H-A-N. Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, where I post uh, about anime that's four or five years old and art I draw every day at uh, Y-U-N-G underscore K-H-A-N underscore and my website conartist.org. Do you happen to have anybody you would like to send a shout out to? This is your opportunity to let them know. Um, I gotta give a big shout out to my community, Twitch, who've uh, literally shown out for the past few weeks and showed up and uh, have been supporting it, you know, forever. <laughs> forever today, watch me drink coffee and draw things on a daily basis. Like, without them, it'd be really tough. And I guess to my lady and my fur family, who I care for off and on, we're all just a bunch of broken misfit toys here. My lady also has a uh, autoimmune disease. She has lupus and the dogs all have their, you know, their individual problems. We take on taking senior dogs and dogs with a uh, troll pass abuse animals. Big shout out to them because uh, without them, yeah, they're a big drive to, you know, get things done as well. <laughs> they're they're a huge drive to get things done. So, uh, oh yeah, I guess I'm our teacher. I'm our teacher from high school, Mrs. Schinkle, who uh, pushed me into, you know, applying for the Cleveland Institute of Art, even though I knew I couldn't afford it. <laughs> and I, even though I got accepted, you know, she believed in me. So yeah, those are my big ones. I appreciate you again for taking time to share. You're an inspiration. Continue doing what you do, Con. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Well wishes to you and your family as well. Oh, thank you. And thank you. Mm-hmm. You are so welcome. We've come to the close of another episode of the End User Talk podcast. I hope that what you've heard today will leave you feeling empowered. Thank you for listening. And remember, every day's a training day.